Welcome to Virtual Literary. I'm your host, Jonathan. And I'm Kenny. And today we're getting together to really delve into an amazing movie. It's so good. Oh, so good. Batman, starring Mel Gibson. Oh, this is the movie we're talking about tonight? Yeah. Didn't you know? Did- you told me it was your favorite. Like this the best was, movie we've seen all year. It was terrible. It was awful. None of what you're saying right now tracks with how I felt about that movie. None of it tracks with how I felt about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here to talk about Fat Man, and we a little quick recap on the lateness of this episode. Both Jonathan and I had become ill over the course of this month and so we're late in the month we haven't been able to release anything because we haven't been able to really get together and record something that actually sounded good because at one point or another both of our voices have sucked and so very true or couldn't go more than like 15 seconds without coughing up lung. yeah this man has been dealing with that good old that good old cough (laughs) yes covid i had covid it was not fun oh buddy i'm sorry that is not something that is exciting to experience not even a little bit not at all anyways we're coming back now because originally we had planned on recording a an episode on violent night and when we found out that we couldn't get to the movies we were like what else can we do jonathan found this movie and we said hell let's give it a try it's mel gibson i'm sorry i am so sorry It's okay, man. You didn't know. There was no way to know. There was no way to know other than reading, I guess, reviews and stuff, which, you know, where's the fun in reading a review when you can just experience the movie for yourself and decide for yourself that, wow, it was just the worst. With that being said, we're going to go into this one with absolutely no restraint. And we're going to come out of this one telling you that I'll just say it now. We both agreed we'd rewrite the whole thing because... Correct. It was that bad. It was that bad, listeners. I can't implore this enough. The acting, the acting was good. It's Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, and Marianne Jean Baptiste. It also had a kid named Chance Hurstfield. I mean, he, I don't believe, is a huge name, but they picked him for a specific reason. I think you told me the reason that they picked him for this role. Yes. And looking up a little bit of trivia as we do, I found out that they hired him specifically because he looked like a young Ben Shapiro. Oh, man. Oh, man. Really? Yep. That's the reason. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. By no means was the acting of this movie the reason that it wasn't great. It was that this movie very much claimed to be a dark comedy. It was pretty much tagged with all the key ones, right? Action, adventure, comedy, fantasy, sci-fi, thriller. And I would say, for the most part, it hits the mark on all of those except for the comedy. The That's fair. nature of it just didn't give us really any comedy. And it was a big swing and a miss. So we might as well just jump right into kind of the brief recap and then we'll tell you exactly what we ultimately end up changing about it which is everything and frankly would probably end up being an episode all by itself probably yeah. and to give you an idea 
of just the eclectic nature of this movie and like the randomness they kind of shoved together, the brief synops- synopsis for it is to save his declining business, Chris Kringle, also known as Santa Claus, is forced into a partnership with the U.S. military. Making matters worse, Chris gets walked into a deadly battle of wits against a highly skilled assassin hired by a precocious 12-year-old after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking. Okay, that's hilarious. Where's your source on this one? Google. Google's my source. Google's the source for that? Okay, because yeah. I don't really think at any point there was actually a battle of wits between the assassin and Santa. It was just a the assassin eventually finally figures out where Santa is, and then they have a standoff. don't think there was any... Right. Pre-planning, not Santa didn't even know that this guy was coming after him. It just he showed he just up. Just kind of showed up. Yep. Yeah. So here's the IMDB version of that synopsis: A rowdy, unorthodox Santa Claus is fighting to save his declining business. Meanwhile, Billy, a neglected and precocious twelve-year-old, hires a hitman to kill Santa after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking, which I'd like to clarify was not in his stocking. Was one hundred percent in a wrapped present that is fair it was in a box not his stocking an actual wrapped gift and that scene in it we'll get into it all right so santa's working with the government there's a kid who decides he just can't handle being given a lump of coal by a figure that is magical beyond his wildest dreams and everyone seems to just accept him as a matter of fact and real I mean, yeah, he is regularly giving out lumps of coal. Also, this twelve world is an entitled piece of shit. Really is. He really is. He can't stand the idea of losing to the point of where he goes out of his way to either put out a hit that causes people to die or drags in situations that may be more threatening, blackmailing, mainly threats of torture. It got really weird. The whole theme of this movie is very dark, grim, and daunting the whole time. Every time Walton Goggins shows up on screen, the most sinister music plays. And it's like, are you trying at any point here to lighten up the mood, to to give us something to kind of chuckle about even? And just no. Short answer is no. And it is frustrating because a movie like this by the time you finish it you're like wow i don't feel any happier i feel like i just watched a movie about santa where he's just struggling to get by and people are out to get him and where's anything jolly about that there's no jolliness to be had kids are little fits and they're you know he's had enough santa's had enough he's reached his limit Yeah, despite its premise, this movie really fails to deliver on the promise of any kind of black comedy here. It does have certain moments of darkly humorous dialogue, not that I can quote them, but I mean, they're few and far between enough that you get a sense of they tried to be funny with this and then it fell flat and really just made you think, why did you try? But getting back to our more traditional outline here, I'll go ahead and I've been a little bit on a on a quick synopsis. The movie kicks off with Billy writing a letter to Santa 
and we don't actually see what he's writing. All we can tell is that the scene sets itself in a way that we recognize he is from a very wealthy family and that he is proud of being a successful kid in school, even though we later learn that he's just the biggest shit of a kid you've ever seen. And his grandmother is introduced to us in a very like, we're handing you this little bit of story to understand that this is where he's being funded for all of these crazy hits that he puts out. It seems that he is embezzling money from his grandmother. And then we're quickly cut to and introduced to Santa, who is standing out in the middle of his honestly kind of looks like just a farmstead. You know, he's got his own ranch with his workshop and everything. And he's out there shooting aluminum cans and tin cans and whatever kind of cans off of posts. He's we are introduced to Santa shooting a gun. Yeah, I can't say that's happened too often in any movies about Santa that I've ever seen. Can't say that either. I've seen some weird Santa movies, but this one, no, never with a gun. This one takes the cake as far as being just completely from left field. And we haven't seen Violent Night yet. We mentioned that earlier, but I'm willing to bet Santa doesn't introduce himself with a gun, even in Violent Night. I'm just throwing it out there that it's probable that he is using only what he has at his own disposal and his magic to deal with the home invaders. Because that's the premise of Violent Night. He's dealing with home invaders. Anyway, back to Fat Man. We move on to being introduced to a random guy who's looking to sell a toy. And it's a baseball bat that happens to be emblemed with uh, Made in Santa's Workshop on it. And that is the moment we're introduced to Walton Goggins, who we don't actually get the name of his character until pretty much the very end of the movie. I think they might. And... I apologize for not remembering for certain, but I think they might mention his alias is Skinny Man at some point. At least that's how he's credited. He's credited as Skinny Man, and he's referred to in various pieces of media about the movie as Skinny Man, but I do not remember them ever mentioning that anywhere. Yeah, I don't really remember them mentioning it anywhere either. And yeah... So he gives off this incredibly uncomfortable vibe as he's examining this baseball bat in a very what looks like a clean room. And then he totally rakes a man over the coal for the amount of money he's willing to pay him for the bat, but ends up getting it in the end. But you just get this vibe of, yeah, he kills people. It's rough. And then we jump back to the plot point that really drives the young kid, Billy. And it's that he is a science fair project winner. He's best of show every time. He's wearing all of his ribbons right there in the science fair. And then we find out that this young girl ends up getting the blue ribbon this time instead of him. And he ends up being the runner up. And that tilts him to the point of where that's the honestly the beginning of the catalyst of the events of this whole movie. This one kid just can't handle the idea of not coming out on top that he threatens and or puts a hit out on anyone who bests him it's really pathetic it is pathetic and it's played a little 
too straight faced. It like, really is. Just comes off as a really shitty mob boss. Yeah, he is a young mobster. His dad is apparently always away for business, and they mention multiple times throughout the movie that he's in the Bahamas. And yeah, it's missing the mark, to say the least. We then get the introduction that we get with the assassin by seeing him actually fulfill a job while getting a call from the kid about dealing with this whole science fair deal. Yeah, he actually goes as far as to threaten a young girl to lie about her winning the science fair project on merit and that she cheated so that he gets the badge instead. And it's just that whole bit, like, that's all I'm going to say on it. It was really, really fucked up and didn't honestly need to be present for the context of the movie other than to just show that this kid is the literal worst. But we also would have gleaned that from him putting a hit out on Santa to begin with. Like we didn't need the other, <laughs> the other bit of context there. Anyway, it was there. And we then <laughs> yes. go back and forth with some other unnecessary bits. Santa ends up going to a bar to open a check from the United States government. All the while, I think he's in Canada, right? No, he is in North Peak, Alaska. Oh, okay. I missed that. Yeah, there's a couple of views of the signage in the town and stuff that show you to set the tone. All the while, the movie likes to really let you know that Santa's in debt. Or I'm not sure if he's in debt, but he's got bills to pay and is struggling to make ends meet. Yes. And we cut back to the assassin having now been given the job to go after Santa Claus. And we get a little bit more information that he clearly holds a vendetta against Santa because he had a rotten childhood. And it's something that later on they bring it up and they talk about the fact that all he wanted Santa to give him was new parents, but they never really let us know whether or not his parents died or if they were just horrible and awful people that just did abusive things to him. We never really learned that aspect, but we do know that he holds a vendetta against Santa specifically for the fact that he was a crappy kid because he only has one gift, apparently, from Santa, which is a little toy police car, which is frankly ironic. The idea that he got a police car and yet he ended up being an assassin. So then we cut back to Billy and he goes through with that thing that I said I wasn't going to bring up again. And <laughs> and then we cut to Santa talking to the U.S. government and working out some sort of a deal where he could potentially make the money he needs to in order to keep the lights on, which I take one bit of issue there. I know we talked about this a little bit and I know how you feel about it, but I still just want to understand why they were concerned about the power bill when it looks like the entire workshop is run by candlelight. It doesn't seem like there's a need for power here. They're probably running it by candlelight because they can't afford to pay for the power bill. Touche. I will. Maybe that was a detail that I didn't pick up on, but it just seemed like the whole time it was very dimly lit in that workshop. And it was like, well, pretty sure we're breaking some some OSHA guidelines here, but I'm just going to let you know. It was not a detail you missed. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And 
yeah from there it's a lot of very dramatic back and forth dialogue between santa and who we don't really fully understand is mrs claus but eventually we finally do in the beginning it's really not that obvious but we finally get to santa heading out for christmas and it's like maybe 30 minutes into the movie by that point not to mention Billy continuing to show how terrible of a kitty is by stealing Santa's cookies. Not all of them, but a good chunk of the cookies off the plate. He just grabs them and runs up to bed. And it's like, dude, you are just, you're just the worst. He's and, a little shit. Yeah. And then Santa comes home after having a night out doing Christmas. And that's all we get. Like, it's maybe, I don't know, two minutes of the movie is him going out and taking care of delivering presents and we don't even see that process which i feel like in every movie where santa actually goes so far as to deliver presents we see that process you usually do but you have to remember this movie is about gritty details of paying the electric bill putting food on the table not about how santa delivers presents in one night true and it also leads to us finding out that apparently people are so familiar with the fact that santa is real that while he's out on his delivery excursion, he ends up getting shot by somebody who's, I guess, just seeing him on his sleigh in the middle of the night and maybe, I don't know, out there hunting him. Maybe. They're yeah. taking pot shots, though, and he's getting hit. Oh, yeah. He takes a pretty gnarly wound to the side, and it's rough. But then we're opened up to Christmas morning, and... Billy gets his coal and he has this really cliche moment of being out in the middle of the porch in the snow on his knees, yelling at Santa, being like, you've made a huge mistake, Batman. And that's where we get the name of the movie, where we get the name of the movie. And they say Batman a lot. And I don't know how to tell you guys this, but it's just that bad the whole time. Again, the acting is OK. The acting is solid from yeah. Most of them, even the action for the climax is entertaining, but the story itself just, it falls apart. There's too much going on and the writing wasn't deft enough to handle the various conflicts of the tones they were trying to pull off. Yep. Then we cut back to the assassin. We get an awkward training montage where he runs through a course and the trainer there is like, Hey, I'd like to head home it's christmas and he's like i'd like to continue training and gives a very threatening vibe again feels unnecessary but it happened that's when and actually i was mistaken earlier when i said that he'd gotten the hit for santa he hadn't gotten the hit yet after billy gets the coal for christmas that's when billy calls in the hit with the skinny man and then we go into this whole he starts doing the track down which this is the one part of the movie that i found to be kind of amusing is that i don't know we talked about this a little bit, but I don't know if there's any like contractual stuff out there that says anything about this, but it would make sense that Apple might be like, no, if you're a villain, you can't use our products because we don't want to be associated with villains. And yet here it is. The skinny man is rocking a MacBook as he is doing his research on figuring out where Santa lives in the world. And Saying it now doesn't sound that funny, but I mean, in the moment, that was probably the funniest thing that we could think of. About, yeah. And doing a little more research into it, I can't seem to find like any, like you said, any contracts about it. 
but it is heavily implied that you will never see a villain using an iPhone. Right. And I mean, usually they're using an Android device because there's more hackability. There's more things that they can technically do with it. And so thematically, it's more appropriate. But we get this several minute long montage of him making phone calls and him trying to figure out where Santa is. And actually, when he asks the guy on the phone, this was actually one of those times where they tried to throw in a bit of funny and it just fell flat is that he's asking these questions to, I think, an information operator that you might have called back, you know, what is it? Like 411? Yeah, 411. And when he finally mentions that he's looking for Chris Kringle, they hang up on him, and he's like, why the f*** did you hang up on me? And, yeah, it just, it felt too serious. And so it just didn't land. I'm going to skim a little bit and just say, at this point, we've kicked off the hunt for Santa, and frankly, the rest of the movie ends up being this really odd montage of skinny man's traveling until he eventually tracks down where Santa is. And so then we circle back and there's little bits of interactions in between where the U.S. military is finally at Santa's workshop and they're having the elves create control panels for some wild fighter jet that the U.S. is using right now. And then there's a little bit of like government intimidation that goes on where they're like, hey, Santa, we'd love to continue to use your resources to make our parts that we need. But if you don't accept our offer now, the offer later is probably going to be worse. And it's just very, it's just kind of lackluster. Yeah. And I mean, I get they're trying to pull off some kind of dark humor with this and it falls flat. In a movie about Santa Claus, it seems too far-fetched. It does. And we get more montage, more montage, more montage. It just keeps going back and forth between the two as the skinny man closes the gap between himself and Santa's workshop. There's one moment where I'd argue that it was lightly amusing, but at the same time still felt way too serious. And it's when the captain that is stationed at the workshop actually has a conversation with the elves while they're on break. And he's talking to the lead elf of the workshop and they discuss their diet. And it was lightly amusing. It was lightly amusing. And we get a lot of details about the biology of the elves like their sleep schedule their dietary habits yeah i would agree that it was on face value it was amusing it was unnecessary in a way that definitely didn't bring value and could have been dropped yeah they talk about the elves have 20 minutes of sleep every eight hours or something like that and that they only eat sugar and carbs for all the energy they can need and the captain's like Y'all need all the different food groups from the pyramid. You need fiber and protein. And he goes over the whole thing and you're just kind of like, okay, again, this feels like a very serious conversation, though. Like you're not trying to make light of it. You're actually just being like, hey, guys, it seems like your diet is not of the norm and you should probably fix it up. You should do something about that. And... Now we're back to montaging Skinny Man's trying to find his way up. He 
goes through multiple postal services to get more leads. He eventually figures out that Santa goes to this one place in particular, but they don't know his address. He finally shows up and the assassin figures out, oh, there he is. There's a moment where he thinks he might be able to try and take him out with a sniper rifle, but it doesn't happen, which we all knew that wasn't going to happen. We knew it had to end with him finding the workshop and dealing with it that way. And that happens. That's pretty much how that goes. Like they, he finally follows Santa back to the workshop, finds out where he's at. There's a brief moment where Santa finally ends up. There's a lot of lead up to Santa being intimate with Mrs. Claus. (laughs) Yes. There was an off screen sex scene. It was very awkward on the lead up because eventually it just happens and you're like, okay great thanks thanks for that is this like a have sex one more time before you die kind of moment and i guess technically in a roundabout sense for anybody else it would have been yeah not quite for santa not quite for santa but then we move on to the skinny man doing some crazy john wick style fighting which at this point i'll say that the writing really felt like they wrote the skinny man's whole plot from the perspective of a protagonist that they've then turned into an antagonist because it's hard to really see the lines between where they're trying to really make you feel like he's a bad guy and yet they're giving him all of this acting that feels like it belongs to the good guy it's really weird because he seems unstoppable throughout the majority of this fight Like, he doesn't get even remotely hurt until he actually faces Santa at the end of the movie. The one good thing I'll say is that he doesn't manage to hurt any of the elves, but he takes out every single government. Correct. He murders every single soldier. They didn't stand a chance. And again, that felt more like protagonist. The protagonist goes through and takes out all the baddies before he has the final fight with the big bad. And then there's actually a little bit of a trade off of, oh, we're not sure if the hero is going to make it. And then guess what? The hero makes it and the baddie falls. But at least there's like that build up. And this felt like a hero build up, but for the bad guy. And it's just so weird. He blows up the workshop and then Santa's like, that's enough. And then we finally see Santa standing up on the hill, ready to face off with the skinny man, whom we finally learn his name. Correct. At this point, Santa bellers out Jonathan Miller and gives us the only little bit of detail about his character and the whole parent's angle not being able to help because his power is limited. Yeah. And then there's a big fight for probably about five minutes of them just shooting back and forth, trying to trying to get one another. And Santa finally manages to clip Jonathan skinny man. And they finally get close enough to face off with fists. Well, <laughs> the skinny man's like, I'm going to use the old tried and true Assassin's Creed trick and use a blade that's been spring-loaded to my shin to stab you in the back while you're on top of me fighting me and he stabs santa a couple times in a rather grotesque manner it's really just they play it through in an uncomfortable way 
And he gets in there and at one point, like one of the attacks just goes through his chest. Yep. And also, what assassin has a knife blade? And it's a point earlier in the movie that he is assembling this. Like, he knows from experience he's going to need this to kill Sam. Yep. And so he manages to really hurt Santa bad and then follows up by shooting him in the head to which we find Santa has at this point lost an eye. But then Mrs. Claus comes to the rescue. She manages to shoot skinny man. He chases her into the house where she does the old I'll hide behind the door as you come into a room. And when he walks into the room, she apologizes for whatever reason before shooting him in the head and that's the end of the skinny man and we learned in that tiny little bit there that his whole backstory is that he had a bad childhood and he only ever got one present from santa and santa never responded to his letters and so he held a vendetta this whole time yeah it's weird it's really not like a strongly driven reason to go kill somebody but no to dedicate your life and he has dedicated his life Because we see him collect various things made by Santa's workshop, which is another point of fact of they're regularly giving out toys that have little plaques on them saying made in Santa's workshop. Yeah, that was an interesting detail. Nobody questions. No, not really. So after that fight's over with, they go find Santa. He's alive, even though he's been shot in the eye slash head, but he's alive. And they're nursing him back to health. We cut to Billy. Billy finds out that his grandmother's found out that she's being stolen from all of this money that's gone away. And so it seems like Billy is getting ready to put a hit out or not put a hit out on grandma, but actually like poison her himself. He starts taking all of her pills and cracking them open and pouring them into her warm milk, which I get what he's attempting to do. I don't think anybody would be like, oh, yeah, this milk doesn't taste wildly funny. You would think. Actually, you know what? That might have been the one humorous point of the movie. That might have been the one spot where I actually think I laughed out loud. And that is that at this point, Santa's recovered enough that he shows up at Billy's house and he goes in and he intimidates Billy and says, if you ever act up like this again, I'm coming for you. I will come for you if any harm befalls anybody that you know ever again. And all the while, though, he comes in and grabs the glass of milk that he that Billy has at this point poisoned with all of grandmother's medications. And he chugs down the glass. Santa just drinks the whole thing. And he's just like, hmm, that's that's delightful. And it's one of those moments where I'm just like, yeah, because clearly he's immortal. And so that was the one bit that was. Kind of funny because Santa's been through it. It's not going to hurt him. What's the big deal? Right. He can't die. And so after threatening Billy that if he ever screws up again, I don't think Billy apologizes. He doesn't really say anything. I'm pretty sure he just stands there in fear the whole time. And then Santa returns to his workshop, which has been rebuilt. And he and Mrs. Claus talk about the future and how... Things will be better. And then credits. And no stinger, which is good. We didn't need a stinger. We like. didn't need a second one. Nope. We 
absolutely did not need a second one of this movie. So that's Fat Man, everybody. That was one of the worst holiday movies I've watched. I don't regret watching it. I'm just, wow. Disappointed. A movie like that. My life. Yeah, a movie like that has not disappointed me in a long, long time. Yeah, I would agree with that. So let's jump right into it. What would you do differently? As we mentioned earlier, we would rewrite the whole thing. For me, like, I would definitely ramp up the ridiculousness of this, like, gangster kid. Either he needs to sound like a kid and things need to make sense, or he's, maybe he is the head of a little mafia family. And so the hitman is just one of his, like, hitmen. Instead of an assassin, he has to hire. Sure. I don't know if I could make Santa having to worry about paying bills funny. I would probably drop that and try and tie the two storylines together a little bit more. Maybe he has fallen on hard times because people aren't believing in him. And so the workshop isn't doing well and he's just not delivering as many presents. I think the movie is trying to have a little commentary about the shittiness of people because he's delivering more coals than presents these days. But it's also really lackluster in the way it's delivered. So try and bring that a little bit more to the fore. Yeah. I what, would you, what would you do? This is tough because I don't know that based on the existing subject that this movie chose to be, that it's really something that would be a keep most of the major plot line and yet manage to rewrite it in a more unique and lightly more dark humor kind of way. I agree that I don't think that there should be such an emphasis on Santa's struggles because in every other instance that we've ever watched Santa in a holiday movie, he's got magic. That is in essence, the biggest part of his whole holiday thing is he's a Christmas magic entity. And sure, I've seen some instances of movies where they're like, oh, if the Christmas spirit is low, then Santa's magic is low. And maybe that's the lean that they were going for with the whole he's having to hand out more coal. So Christmas spirit is low. So he's maybe less magical. But they don't say that. And so I would I would probably try to write in elements to this that would give a more concise. This is why this is happening in order for the viewer to be able to follow something that makes a touch more sense. But I would take away so much of the sinister behavior. I would make it more outlandish. I would make the people involved be a little bit extra because this is something that ended up being way 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 more dramatic than it needed to be and the only way to get around that at least in my head is you gotta be crazy with it you've got to be extra and wild which having not seen it yet i would say i imagine violent night does something similar to that because we've seen some things in the trailer where people get blown up and it's silly and he has these one-liners that involve christmas themes that are actually amusing to say the least. And so something that feels more akin to that, where at least the delivery of the jokes will actually cause people to laugh instead of just being like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I would take away, 
again a lot of the government aspect of it because i don't really see how that would fit in with taking out santa's struggle but it's such a tough it's such a tough rewrite because so many elements of this just wanted to be this one thing and to try and change this dramatic telling of a struggling santa and his sudden assassin hit that he has to deal with i don't know i don't know if this one can really be saved i'd agree with that it'd be a tough one to rewrite with just how much it would change and just change the tone i'm not sure you could pull off a good like dark comedy that's santa it needs to be a little bit more absurdist to play into the nature santa yeah and a great example of dark comedy would be like Shaun of the dead Shaun of the dead was one of those we're gonna play with this because it's still a zombie flick but we're not gonna make it horribly scary we're gonna make it fun and silly and there's gonna be awkward montage of beating on a zombie that's not actually dying they're just dancing around it as they're trying to avoid it it's extra right it's outlandish it seems weird it doesn't make sense because it wouldn't normally work that way but the whole of batman was written in a very literal sense where all of these things that occurred felt like things that could actually occur there wasn't anything that was so out so wild and crazy that you're like no that would never happen and that's why it's funny is because it would never happen i wish i could actually create something of this that would be better and given some time and some more thought on it i imagine we could probably come up with something and maybe we'll revisit it that at some point and talk about how maybe there was a few movies that we'll end up going through or shows or games and discuss their stories and ultimately come out the other end going yeah i probably would have done this instead but having a full episode just chatting about how we would have actually done those differently from the first attempt at how we would have done them differently i like it i yeah. think i think it'd be a great way to revisit at some point yeah for me i would say like hot fuzz Shaun of the dead what was one of your favorites for me I really like World's Greatest Stat with Robin Williams. Oh, it's definitely yeah. a dark comedy that I enjoyed. And one of the movies that we're going to do an episode on at some point is Everything Everywhere All at Once. At some point, yeah. And that one's actually considered a dark dramedy. Is it? It is. And we'll also, at one point, talk about one of my favorite movies of 2022. Yeah. Teaser coming up right now. One of my absolute favorite movies this year was The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nick Cage. Ooh. And that's actually considered a action dark comedy. We'll probably talk about other dark comedies in the future, and that's certainly one that's on my list. But yeah, Fat Man is not something I can recommend to you guys. If you're listening right now and you're like, maybe I'll check it out because it sounds so... I don't want to put that on you. I don't recommend it. Please don't do it. One of those, like, it's so bad, it's good, or you get a little altered and watch it kind of situations. It's just, it's not worth the time and effort. It's not worth it. So, well, I think that about does it. I think on that note, we can end it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week here on Weird 2 Literary. We've had a blast tearing apart Fat Man because sometimes we just gotta. Sometimes there's gotta be movies like this. Oh, yeah. So... 
half the fun is watching terrible movies and make fun of it. A little bit, a little bit. No offense to the writers. They did their best, as we certainly try to do ours. Which, a little bit of extra tidbit. Yeah. They apparently wrote this back in 2006 and have been shopping it around since. So they had, wow. Yeah. That, that, that was 16 years of opportunities to rewrite that. I wonder how much they did. I wonder how much they changed it up before they finally landed on what they did. Well, no, but I could have used another 16. <laughs> mm, bird. Oh, burn. All right. As always, thank you again for joining us. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you know, the works. If you are following us there, thank you. If you're not, be sure to hit that follow button because you'll know the next time we drop another episode. And if you're looking to provide us some feedback, which we would love to hear from you, please do so by emailing us at feedback at literary.com. We also have our website up, weirdtoliterary.com. So check us out there as well, and you can listen to our episodes directly from our site. I've been your host, Kenny. I've been Jonathan. And we'll catch you guys next time. Have a good night.